0: I am your host Enrico Moses along with me is my co-host
1: Sean Remock this podcast was created for leaders creatives and entrepreneurs to learn grow and connect deeper with your mission and purpose in life we bring to you real life ideas that you can bring into your daily routine
0: we interview some amazing leaders creatives and entrepreneurs to learn from a diverse group of ideas and ways to tap into your zen Whether this is how you start your day, take your commute, listen while you're at work, or consume at your leisure, we hope it adds more Zen to your life and makes this world a better place. Welcome and enjoy. Yes, yes. Welcome once again to the Zen House podcast. We are super excited to have a really amazing gentleman with us. He is a rabbi, Peretz Moshkin. Did I pronounce it right? You're you're on. I, I I let everybody pronounce it any way
2: they want. You know, you pick you pick any way you need to get there, because in Hebrew and English there's actually some discrepancy. It would sound differently if you said it in Hebrew or Yiddish or English. So whichever way you say it, I'm I'm uh, fine with it.
0: Nice. So. And I, I dropped out of Hebrew school at, at ten, so I don't have the the Hebrew tongue that I wish I had. <laughs> well, uh, maybe maybe we'll get to it. Uh, I'm I'm. I think
2: dropouts are usually the best entrepreneurs and creatives. So maybe Dang. that was the right move.
0: for you. I'll, I'll take it. We're uh, you know we're on this journey. So why don't you you tell us a little bit about your journey of becoming a rabbi, I'm so curious, you know, we've had some some deep conversations just about, you know, what led you to, to wanting to become a rabbi and what has that journey been like for you? I grew up in Brooklyn and my community was super insular, a Hasidic Jew from
2: Brooklyn. And my whole life was just our community polarized by a complete opposite community right next to us in Brooklyn and it took a long time to figure out, you know, how to see yourself versus the people around you. But being a Jewish person growing up with a tradition of insular tradition, what you get is a real love for it because it's it's giving you everything you want. Very often when you drop out of something, it's because you're not getting anything you want out of it. But when you're in something and you're not looking to run from it, it's because, well, it's nourishing me, it's feeding me, it's giving me love and support. But at some point, anybody with a mind is going to think about, all right, Am I willing to see whether what I'm growing up with and the tradition I have really fits the world around me? And the community I grew up in, even though it was insular, its whole message was making the world a better place. I grew up in this Hasidic sect called Chabad, and Chabad's whole ethos is about whether or not you're making the world around you better. So you can imagine each person on their level asking that question, is my personal life affecting the world around me? is a really intense question to ask every day. It's there, it's, it's in the theology. It's part of the fabric of it. So I think there was a natural born uh, curiosity of how does my life um, juxtapose to the world around me? Like, look, there's a whole community right around me. I have nothing to do with them. They have nothing to do with me. It's more than bridging the gap. It's like, how do, how do I fit into the world if the world is completely different? So since that question started so young, it sort of came from a place of love. It wasn't like something was wrong with where I'm from or something's wrong with the world. It was like, at some point, I'm gonna have to step up and be involved in both. And how do you do that as a religious Jew, as a Hasidic Jew? Wow, there's gonna be a lot of tough roads to to travel on. And I just uh, thought that the best way to do it was to really think about as in like, what is the profession I could get in to make that impact? And the profession that had the biggest opportunity at least in my thought as a teenager was being a rabbi, because as a rabbi, I'd be able to essentially, you know, devote myself to people. I'd be able, the whole concept of a rabbi is to be somebody who is available for what the people need. You know, most people think of rabbis as like synagogue professions, but at the core, a rabbi is merely, I've been educated to help others guide them to get to where they want to get to be available for questions be available for like a Passover style question every day of the week anytime so I thought that was the right way to go about it but you know it took a it's been a long road from when I started that but certainly that's really where I initially got into it was seeing the community around me seeing the world around me and recognizing that if I wanted to be part of the world I'd have to find a way to bridge my community to the world. And rabbi seemed to be the right way to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was a businessman, so he didn't see it as he didn't have to be a rabbi in order to do that. He looked at it like every business deal is the the day I make a good impression of what a Jew looks like, what a Hasidic Jew looks like. I remember him going to every meeting with like pies of pizza. He'd always bring food and he'd be like, look, we got to sit and eat something. If we don't have a deal, it's fine. At least we had a great moment. So that was the way I was brought up to really whatever profession and just the rabbi thing seemed like the right route. I love that story
0: about your father and the pizzas. What, what would you say as far as your relationship with rabbis in the past, you know, who was a rabbi that really inspired you and, and kind of what about that relationship drew you close to that rabbi? Yeah, we had a, in
2: the Hasidic circles, you always have like a leader, And what a leader essentially supposed to mean is somebody who's looking out for the spiritual welfare of the people, sort of like a guru of sorts. And the tradition that I grew up in, the guru was Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. And he was somebody who really did devote his life toward the betterment of people. So when he came after the Holocaust to the United States, he threw himself all into like, this is the land of opportunity. And if it's the land of opportunity, well, let's see, Jews weren't really allowed to own printing presses, or they weren't allowed to set up networks, and they weren't allowed to, all the things that you would think that a Jew wasn't allowed to do for 2,000 years, he was like, well, let's do them here. This country really loves us, and we love them, so let's make this work. And he used to do things like he set up like a line uh, in front of his house, and every Sunday people could walk by to meet him, and his idea was when two people meet, a third person should benefit. So his whole life was like, every meeting we have, we have to end off with, okay, who could we help afterwards? If not, it's just a selfish meeting, even if it's spiritual and holy. So he would give anyone he met a dollar, a coin, and he'd say, give that to charity, so now we met, somebody else now could get something out of that. And that message alone was enough to like blow my mind. Like, so that's it, that's the secret sauce of being a rabbi. It's not a synagogue, it's not, you know, who you're facilitating into something, but it's when two people meet, Who's the third birth person that benefits from that? And that's really became the design, the person who inspired me to do this. And also, which we'll get to think out of the box, not really think of life as a rabbi in a synagogue, but think of like as a rabbi to inspire people to do other good things as well.
1: Mm, yeah. And, and you, I remember you mentioned as, as a rabbi, you know, your passion is to build community and to better people around you. And I'm curious to know how you've been building community the past couple of years, and even today during the pandemic and COVID, how are you keeping everyone everyone's spirits high and and keeping everyone in check?
2: Yeah, it, it's th-
1: there's clearly a huge change pre
2: COVID and post COVID because up until now, uh, specifically technology has been like. Um, an added bonus, like, okay, you can't come to my class, but you can tune into my podcast. You can't, uh, we can't hang out, uh, so we can do something FaceTime today. It's exclusively (laughs) you want to listen, you got to grab a podcast. You want to connect. It has to be via zoom or via FaceTime, et cetera. So the, the, the change is there, but at the core of it is the way I connected with people was always specifically through word of mouth. And that means literally meeting one person and just like hoping they introduce me to someone else, not even asking for the introduction. And uh, I have this little like meditation I do before I meet someone new for the first time is I think about who I'm going to meet is a whole universe. They have backgrounds, they have stories, they have all these incredible nuances to their life. And I'm just going to meet them and if I don't think about that, I'm going to impose my life and my strategy and my awareness of existence onto them instead of possibly hearing something incredible that could affect me as well as actually hearing what they're going through so I can actually be of assistance. So there is this like, methodology that doesn't change within these times, and that is I'm meeting somebody, I'm meeting a world, I'm meeting a universe, and it could be the most incredible experience ever, let alone if I can offer some sort of assistance and be of value. So that's how I started off. I moved uh, to San Francisco right after I got married. I was young. I was 24. And I really just went for it. I started going to coffee shops and meeting people and just seeing where it went. And it uh, turned into a spectacular community. We really built something special. And each person had to start over. You're a rabbi? Yes. Do you have a synagogue? No. What What are you doing? Well, I'm trying to add value to people's lives. And all of a sudden, you sit back and you're like, okay, what value could he add to my life? A lot of people say, you can't add value to my life. I'm like, all right, no problem. Till next time I'm here, they usually end up calling back another time. <laughs> like, hey, Rabbi, can I make a Passover Seder at home? Can I do something Jewish without a synagogue? And the answer is always yes. You know, you are, you're capable of doing anything you'd like. So that's, uh, to a certain degree, my methodology of meeting people has always been the same the structure changes. Pre-COVID, the focus was can we build a facility, a building, and have it in-house? If it's in-house, we can really build up programming and really build up the and, and service the needs of the people. Post COVID is really asking me to ask that question: like, is a brick and mortar needed? You know, is uh is it time to just totally refocus in on what our message is and how to, you know, scale it properly so that we can serve many people with. Beautifully deep ways of getting to their own selves. In other words, can we still add value without brick and mortar? I think that question is uh, is the question I wake up to now every day. How do I add value without the same
1: vision that I had till now? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a question I feel like for everyone, especially if that's if you know if there's been success or there's been connection through the digital lens. It's like, what, where do we go? And maybe both is the answer. Maybe one is the answer. And, um, I think only time will tell, um, think about,
2: think about your imprint on social media and on digital life till this era. It's been, it's been very much a supplement or another opportunity to get in. You know, you don't have to go to a marketing agency. You could just try your luck with it today it's changed to where it's like we have all this, all the years of digital progress till now are only setting us up for what we're capable of doing it right now. Look at us over here. Um, you know, just being able to hang out with you guys is not, is not, it's not a supplement to anything. It's the meat now. It's the, it's the center of what the relationship is. And I think that needs to happen for digital presence and technology to be a source of uplifting spirited space all the time. We're, we're still in the beginning stages of really seeing the spiritual beauty of technology and really seeing how the interconnectedness is the most beautiful thing. It's not, a, it's not a, an idea, a euphemism anymore. It's our reality. So now's our time to really think about, like, are we just expecting AI to take care of everything or are we going to be you know, bring our humanism and our connection and our love to technology in a very deep way? So I'm very excited about this time. It gives me a positive outlook and an opportunity to see what's happening now as the world will come back together and it's going to merge. And that merging will create an emergence, something really interconnected that we can really do something deeper. Till now, rabbis weren't always comfortable with having anyone come to their synagogue because I want these people to sign up. I want those people to behave this way. You always have like a, an idea of how they should be when they show up. And that's affected me. I create a space for anyone, essentially, for people in Venice Beach and before that, San Francisco. And they have all these blocks like, oh, it's a rabbi. He's probably not going to love having me if I'm not dressed a certain way or behave a certain way. Now, it's certainly, I don't have to defend them or myself. Now it's like, here we are online. You dress how you want. You act how you want. It's, It's actually, in a way, the realest opportunity I've had to meet people on a level that they can totally integrate into our conversation and into our work. So there is some real opportunity here for those trying to inspire through online mediums to, uh, you know, check themselves and realize there's actually many blockades that have been t- torn down through this medium. So I, I think, I think the, the future looks bright no matter how it looks, brick and mortar or digital. I think the
1: opportunity is there
2: and it's clear that people want it and want a lot of it. Mm.
1: Well said. I like the idea of how it really allows people to be interconnected in that type of way. And, um, I, you know, I'm actually, I, I took a class recently on like Kabbalah and stuff and they were talking about the positivity bias. And I'm curious if, if that's a subject that you're familiar with.
2: Well, the, the concept, especially when you use the term Kabbalah with positivity and optimism is that your soul is a source of positive energy. The soul isn't really deterred by by the physical question of, do I have enough or not? It's totally fine with itself. The whole idea of being a spiritual person is learning to be totally comfortable with your own existence and not trying to, you know, uh, level it up to what that person is or has and seeing yourself as a unique talent and that is here for a reason. I almost... I, I'll go out on a limb and say, you're handpicked to be here at this point. Like, this is, you were built for this time in this era. That's what really spirituality is. Think about the term spirit or spirituality. It's really something outside of yourself, right? It's like being spiritual is being able to see outside of yourself. There are selfish spiritual people, but when Kabbalah is introduced, it's supposed to be about, like, look, your whole talents, your skill set, your soul and body elements, your physical attraction, and your spiritual depth are all part of this harmony that is here to really affect your surroundings. And that's, that's what I mean by, uh, by, by Kabbalah. Kabbalah is essentially a tradition of, I'm here to give something over. Um, it's been passed on to me. Even if you have a difficult childhood in life and things that really get in your way, it's still been passed along to you and let's call it the cosmos or let's go crazy. God <laughs> trusts that you could be the one makes the difference who breaks the cycle who uplifts something like there's a there's a great there's a great idea here of being spirited and being like like positive and as a way of life that is natural to yourself and when you're able to see that then you can feel the self-worth of i'm here because i can handle what's happening in my life and around me so to me positivity bias is is really is really is really born in spiritual tradition because it 's a methodology of that's what you're here for you're here to fix and repair and develop and build on top of it's like a natural entrepreneurial spirit is the soul that's what it is it's a natural entrepreneurial spirit totally seeing the void of something and then having to go and fix it and add value to it
1: yeah I think we can you know we can live our lives in one way and maybe start to identify ourselves as based off what we do, or what we attach ourselves to, or what other people think of us, or what type of you know wealth or recognition we we aim for. But when we start to shed the onions and start to become a human being, not a human doing, there's more mm-hmm. of this atmosphere of you know a spiritual um, awakening and the sense of this is what I'm really here to do, and I'm connecting and tapping into that inner inner spirit. And you know what are what are, what are ways to, to really to notice that and to really be in tune with yourself that, that have really kind of worked for you and the, and the community that you, know, you bring in?
2: Well, I, I love that question because I think that's the question that you have to answer, but also have to re-ask again. <laughs> you have to keep asking that question to really figure out what it's really asking. It's like a way of life to ask that question of, What am I here to really try to go after and accomplish? Um, One of the simple methodologies I incorporate personally and then advise for those who are interested is to add always an action to my meditation. That when I like spend some time thinking deeply about what I'm here for, what I'm trying to accomplish, even in the micro, I then go ahead and attach it to an action-oriented idea or thing. So Whether it's a phone call to somebody or whether it's an actual form of action, It's sort of like bringing the spiritual and deep intention that has and that I have that flows within me to the world. I think we're in a great culture of meditating, of thinking deeply. Almost everybody I know in my areas of work, San Francisco and Venice Beach, et cetera, Los Angeles, we agree on a lot. We do. We agree on many, many things. But how we bring our beliefs and our ideas and our feelings and our spirituality to action has some discrepancy. And I think the easiest way to do it is, well, first just start doing an action all the time and realize that the hardest thing is to bring our inside to the outside, you know, our inward appreciation and Zen and and being aligned with what we're all about. Bringing that to the physical world is where the battlefield is. And when do you do that? When do you protest? When do you go out and 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 yell on top of your lungs. And when do you just call a friend and and uh, shop at a better location? Cost you a few extra bucks, but you're trying to, you know, be local. All every idea you have starts from a spiritual space inside. The body itself has no real need for you to be a part of of, of civil action unless you think it's like uh, good for your survival, you know. Real change and real growth and real spirit comes from the inside where you're like, okay, I'm gonna bridge my yearnings and my feelings and my desires for the world. I'm going to bridge that to an action to the world outside. And if you, I did that with all my meditations, my life would slowly change because I wouldn't just meditate in the morning to feel good and then go out of the house. i meditate to feel good. And then I like, okay, what did I do with that feeling Did I give it to somebody else? Did I apply it to a specific act? So to me, the, the, the alignment of self is connected to the application. Of what you can do and give out there, so that's that's the main methodology. That's the beginning, I think, of Judaism. All of Judaism is ritual related, and the rituals that are are all about meditation to action, all about bringing the spiritual into the physical. That's the primary goal of Judaism: is bringing the
0: spirituality into your physical world so it can grow and be better. I love that, and and with that essence, you know, you you grew up in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn is also well known for having a large black population, a large Jewish population. And so I'm I'm curious, you know, in my research of uh, the history of this country, the Jewish and black relationship has always been pretty close as far as helping each other progress together. And I'm curious as far as a message to Jewish people and a message to black people how can we both continue to come together in these times Um, because there is still a separation as far as how we all feel about this country and possibly how people have been treated um so i know there's sometimes we're on the opposite side of the spectrum because i'm also a, a jewish black man for the audience of just how can we come together in these times growing up in
2: brooklyn I really did not have a taste of black culture around me. I only saw it from the outside. You know, I saw the, I saw the music, I saw, and I'm saying seeing, cause I wasn't hearing the music. It wasn't in my headphones, but it was, it was in the cars. It was around. So I knew all the music that was around. I saw the culture was a big NBA culture in Brooklyn, you know, big Knicks culture. So there was, there was an idea of like basketball and rap represented the culture. So I didn't really have an inlet into the culture. It was When I was a teenager, I started having a much deeper connection to my neighbors because my mother started working at the local community board, which was run by some awesome people and, and uh, of the black community. And that was the perfect meeting ground. My mother working there, I'm getting to be a part of that. And, uh, and I would say somewhat sadly, the, my community didn't fully even take in the message of their own Rebbe. You asked who my mentor was, and said it was Rabbi Schneerson. Rabbi Schneerson's line was filled with people the, you know, from from all communities, anybody who was welcome. And every time a Black person came on his line, he was like, we are not two people coming together. We're the same humanity. And this is what we're about. There's beautiful videos on it and beautiful connections to it, all very natural stuff in the 80s and 90s. It was a very tense period in Brooklyn, growing up, super intense. And you felt sort of like this, this clash of cultures. But the reality was the Rebbe was sort of telling us day in and day out, like this isn't a clash of cultures. We're natural allies to connect with one another. And I think that applies to our time. Like we are all natural allies. Anybody who wants a better world is a natural ally with anyone struggling. And to me, I- I'm totally more than comfortable. I think it's inspiring to see the black community. Like we don't want to be part of whatever label we were put on in anywhere. It just needs to be a way to inlet, and I hope that the response from this long term, as we look back and we go, thank you to the Black community for inspiring the type of uh, ideas and messages that we claim to always be a part of. Right? The biggest thing that I see in California is the calling out of people who all agree but have never found a way to do anything about it. And you can't just turn that on and start doing things. You have to start what I'm calling meditation to action, taking your inside, bringing it to the outside. If this is the case then you have to dedicate a few minutes every single day for the rest of your life to think about like, how do I integrate? Do I smile at my neighbors? Do I have relationships? Is it, have those grown? <laughs> has has those ideas manifested? And uh, I, I think that's the the uh, benefit of having like this background of Brooklyn, of realizing that the all these issues were right in front of me and were right in front of us as a community and we had a leader who was constantly telling us that, you know, this is who you need to be uh, early on. And this is just, this is just a trip out uh, because of the Rebbe. We all, our community all voted in David Dinkins, who was a black mayor, and who he went up against Giuliani, who didn't win that round, and he won the next round. And I'm pretty sure that Giuliani was pretty rough on our little community in Crown Heights because he knew that we didn't vote for him the first time around. So there was some like interesting juxtapositions that were not overcome. And partly because of leadership, partly because of of people, partly because, you know, the Jewish community themselves were immigrants and all trying to come together. Almost everybody in my community came from parents who came from Russia, came from very difficult times under Stalin and, and, and those who came from under Hitler. So for the Jewish community, the whole message of like integration was like, you guys can't be serious. You actually want to integrate with us. No one's ever wanted to integrate with us in 2000 years. And all of a sudden, now you want to like figure that out, and and uh, and and I think for you as a Jewish Black man, especially in like like a background where it's like, where do I fit in? I I can't imagine what that's what that's like having to have both the Judaism side of like nobody ever wanted us anyways, and also the Black side with of like, look, there's still open segregation and and racial and racial discrimination. That's 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 the type of thing where it's like I can only help but be inspired by you even more. Like from the day I met you, it's always like, this guy's got it on. He's committed to a path of like bringing these ideas instead of like looking at them as, a, as you did as a child, I'm sure. And as we do as children, it's like, oh my God, this makes me outside of the world. It's like, no, this is the greatest asset to being in the world is having the type of experience that when, when it seems like it's going up in flames, I can be an asset to the world and add value. So I, I think that the experiences have put, put us both in unique positions to continue doing what we love and, and continue doing what, what is inspiring to us. So that's a beautiful, beautiful space to operate within is seeing your background as a source of strength and inspiration for what you're doing. And I get to have that. And, I, and, I, and, and that is my privilege to see my background as a source of inspiration to what's happening.
0: I love that that you you call it a privilege because I, I feel like now I see it as a privilege being able to see the perspectives of different people uh, of a Jewish man of a black man of a Native American man um, and to be able to under try to understand you know to try to understand and put myself in people's shoes where sometimes I think that can be more difficult of like being so far removed from that um, and I'm I'm curious. Of your thoughts on the magnitude of anti-Semitism and racism as we're we're overcoming this this negative projection onto us, right? And it's like we've been fighting this quote unquote war for thousands of years. I'm curious to. How do we collectively start to diminish those, those feelings? And where do you think they come from on the other side? Like, why do they exist in general? The, when I was um,
2: 16, I, uh, was, I was in the, the big synagogue in Brooklyn. And then I heard this guy talking to another guy saying like, oh, my brother-in-law is a rabbi in Lithuania. And he could use a little bit of help. And I was like, oh, I could do it. And they're like, oh, you got to be 21. I was like, oh, I'm 21. And, you know, I had a beard already. (laughs) And they're like, okay, great. I lied, totally. And they sent me to Lithuania to help out and make a Passover Seder. And uh, it was very inspiring. I ended up going for 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Every holiday that I can get out, I went out, every single one, to another place in Europe or Russia, et cetera. I got to really travel the world. And I found tremendous amount of anti-Semitism wherever I went. And I found tremendous amount of love and connection everywhere I went. And the intensity of it was that it, what what I brought back with me to Brooklyn was, was that this that we were going through was a microcosm of what human beings were going through. That every human being is going through this microcosm, no matter where you are, no matter how insulated you are, no matter how loving you are, is between the life and the community and the comforts of what you have or lack thereof versus the world that you see and the lens that you have and how that integrates. There really is no uh, um, other way of seeing it. Even within the micro-Jewish community, there's, there's where I'm from, there's people of different backgrounds. You, know, you move to LA, there's a huge Iranian community. You, you go to Israel, there's an Ethiopian community. Wherever you go, and everyone has beautiful stories, and everyone has integrate integrating stories that are difficult to hear and cause you to really rethink what you're up to. So we're, we're at a time where we have the opportunity to go even deeper with this and for this not to be like just several do-gooders out there trying to make this happen. In a way, it's so beautiful that it leaves the arena of just, oh, rabbis are at the forefront or, uh, or leaders are at the forefront. Oh, this is now, for America, America's kind of like they, like, I, I'm a, I, I love America, but I love America because it, it is a mouthpiece. When you say something, the whole world seems to like, here and you people say, well that's naive you go random places in the middle of the world and, and they don't understand yeah they don't understand America but they may understand Coca-Cola. They, they don't understand you know USA and never heard of anything but they understand that there's a freedom there's a, there's a place that's different. Each place you go to, the farthest places of earth that I've showed up in have an American concept that's infiltrated their minds and the American concept that infiltrates began with a dream that has not been fulfilled yet a dream of seeing every person as a soul and not as a body if you see it as a body then we have a lot of questions about about whether or not we all need to be here does everybody is everybody worth it but if it's a soul then it's beyond human manufacturing ideas then every soul has a part to play in a unique creative way of expressing itself so i'm i'm really like stuck on that this is this is the time that we've been waiting for not the time of a people the time we've been waiting for to really take all of our sentiments and like, see, all right, does it fit into the world today? And if it doesn't ask yourself why, and what you can really achieve by growing one way or the other. So there's some real deep things to really unpack for each person today. And uh, I think that's where my job and work is really going to flourish right now.
1: Yeah. I think there's two parts to this, but the idea of like, you know, during COVID and this is an opportunity for many To to take a step back and to take a breath and to see what's working, what's not working, what's serving you or what's not serving you. And it's like, you know, despite the hardships and the casualties, how can we use this time? You know, how have you noticed this time to be uh, an opportunity and a blessing to elevate ourselves, empower ourselves?
2: In the last, like, 20 years, it feels like every year there's been another issue to unpack. Like, uh, you know, just across the board, there's been hot-button issues year after year after year. To me, COVID has brought the collective together. Even before the last couple weeks, COVID brought, like, it all to a halt. Like, there are massive collective issues that we have not worked on for so long, and now we have to just think of ourselves and, and sort of sit with it. I personally have not been able to, to sit back and reflect that much. My, my COVID experience has been jam packed with some beautiful things. Like we, like I had a baby, uh, over the last three months, that was incredible. But I also right. lost, uh, yeah, it was, uh, what a trip to get in and out of a hospital and the way they, all the rules changed. And, and up until I was in the hospital, I wasn't even sure they'd let me in for the birth. It was, it was, it was wild experience. And and then they got us out of there within 24 hours. So I we can do we can do uh, I could just open a whole organization on having birth during quarantine. You know what we went through and having six other children at home. This was our seventh child. <laughs> the other side of it is is that I lost a sibling. I I lost my sister, only a year older than I am, and and she was ill and COVID certainly finished her off. Not being able to 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 get the medical treatment as easily and all the difficulties around that. And not being able to go to her funeral, and 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 not being able to mourn with my family was devastating. So I feel like my whole COVID experience has been like deepening my experience as a human being in this world in ways that I, you know, there are totally outside of me. Think about the outside pressure to squeeze out of me the best version of me. Otherwise, I just give up. Like I can't handle all this. I. I can't live my life. There's no schedule. There's no way to, to really take it in. So I I, I've seen COVID as from personal perspective, as galvanized by all these crazy deep experiences. And now I have all this energy to give out to the world. Maybe just maybe on the, I don't like to ever go negative on the slightly negative side. So many people weren't able to go through a process of deepening that now they're on the streets because they're like, look, I can't, at all continue going through a quarantine without a deepening experience and there's no and and i haven't found it so it maybe just maybe that's what pushes it over the edge but then you could go from the positive like no it's not over the edge everyone wants a deeper experience in this world they just do they just don't want to continue doing what they're doing without feeling like there's an individual visuality that's been nurtured by this experience how do i live with myself so I'd like to take the positive approach that what happened over here wasn't a bad thing. What happened over here, I mean, obviously, listen, police brutality, these issues are 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 clear. They're clear that that our nation should be at the forefront of reform, of how we interact with law. And Judaism at its core is all about interacting with ritual, which is itself not really ritual, they're laws. They're like rules of how to create a pathway to deepening and getting there. So I, I'm I, I see COVID as I have no choice but to see COVID as the opportunity, and and I don't think until this stuff was let off I I didn't feel like the world was was seeing that opportunity as much as it could have, and now you have no choice but to see this as an opportunity to go deeper and to reinforce who you are and what you're about, and to uh, use the opportunity wisely, and uh, and uh, and if not no worries. I'll still find a way to add value. You know, we got to keep, for me, this is like, there's no, you missed out. This is just the beginning of really my adult life. I feel like this is like me becoming an adult all over again, like really relearning how to establish myself, how to take care of myself, even when uh, the abundance isn't necessarily right in front of me as it used to be.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I feel like COVID is this undeniable spark of change and uh, reflection and possibly a more uh, connection to deeper meaning. And um, I I find it fascinating just how it's impacting everybody so differently and the response uh, from our society, I find it really fascinating. And I think we're, um, we're still possibly like what you were saying, still at the beginning of what it all means and where it's all going it just, it feels like the spark that is uh, igniting many fires. I wouldn't even say just one. I've heard so many people talking about, um, you know, I'm cooking more. I'm I'm thinking more about how I'm taking care of myself. I'm realizing I don't have to go to the gym, you know, in order to do certain things. And I think, I think there's so many beautiful uh, nuggets of, of s- silver linings from what's happening. And I think it's also showing us you know, so many uh, things that we can change in our society, the fact that we don't have sports right now and there is no festivals and things to kind of, you know, numb ourselves to some of some of the, uh, the problems that many people in our society have have been dealt with and dealing with on our own. And, uh, yeah, I find it I find it uh, very beautiful that we have this break in this space. Um, and with that said, are you ready to start the Zen round? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. (laughs) I love it. So Peretz, what does Zen mean to you? Inner alignment would be Zen. Being
2: able to like, see that my deep feelings are actual indicators of where I can add value. Like connecting my inner peace to, to my, to my journey on earth. The first time I heard Zen, by the way, was Phil Jackson with the Bulls. (laughs) That's the first time that word ever came to me. And uh, I was like, (laughs) that's right. And that was all about, you know, inner Zen to go out there and be a ferocious competitor. So it was a weird, like, is that Zen? But to me, it's just inner alignment. And then once you find the inner alignment, then going out there and bringing it to the world.
0: It's a great indicator. I love that. What is one of your favorite foods? Ooh, uh, my favorite foods, Um,
2: my wife's challah would have to be my favorite food. She makes fresh uh, challah bread every week for, uh, when we got married, um, she didn't make bread and I would buy in the store and uh, bread was bread. And then all of a sudden she was like, she found this feminine connection to making challah and that became like the staple at our Shabbat table. and, uh, and, uh, And I look forward to it every week. Sounds amazing.
0: Who is one of your favorite athletes?
2: Favorite athletes. Um, I love, I love Steph Curry. I love uh, a family guy who gives you the imagination. Like we could all shoot from all over the place. We can deal with all the tall people and deal with it. Of course he's above and beyond skilled, like unbelievable. And I like uh, Victor Oladipo a lot because uh, this guy, you know, is trying to become uh, a superstar and has always like seems to have to overcome an injury or small market or secondary throw in. So he's the ultimate, like, like keep going story. I'd like to see him uh, come back and really do some wild things. Nice. Who is one of your favorite thought leaders? Uh, when it comes to leadership in general, I really defer to Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. I, I loved that he created a network that pretty much anyone who wanted could fit into it. There was no, you have to like graduate to become this. His whole life was like, you know, one letter, teach that one letter. That's becomes now your occupation. In other words, like you don't have to find something new in order to become a leader. You just have to see that leadership is taking responsibility. And he gave that gift to us. And it's my job to give that to the world I'm trying to do that in my own way. So mm. when it comes to leadership, that's really what, uh, what inspires me
0: nice what is what is a book that you feel like is helpful for people to read Hmm.
2: the um one of the books that i i there's there's two books one and both by the same author um that i find very much uh, because it comes down to like you need books in english i can't give them like uh uh old old uh, philosophical jewish books i need like an english book that you could you know go to And the problem with inspirational books is that you have to update the language every few years because we speak differently. We have different nuances of how we express. So in the 90s, when these books came out, they were very influential to me. One is called Toward a Meaningful Life. And it's basically like how Judaism sees life cycles, birth, death, business, et cetera. So really adding meaning to everything. And the same author wrote a same book, another book called uh, um, 49 Steps. To, to the Omer, O-M-E-R, and that is all about like dissecting your emotional maturity and really growing within your feelings and your depth. So mm-hmm. those two books are something I use all the time, and, uh, but I hope, to, I hope one day the answer is that I wrote the book. I would like to write a book <laughs> one day, so there you have it.
0: <laughs> Coming soon.
2: But for now, it's other authors.
0: Nice. What is one thing that you're doing that you should do less of?
2: Do less of? Um, consuming uh, entertainment on my phone—I could always do less of that. Um, it's so easy to watch something and to uh, and to be up to date on a show because it's just sitting on your phone and all your devices. But uh, lately, I've been trying to take off the apps so that I can. Ha- it could be a- just a little harder for me to to consume what's out there.
0: Smart move. <laughs> what's one thing? you're doing that you should be doing more of
2: um my morning routine with a baby and with the kids has been a little little bit you know taken out of my reach so i find morning routines to be very important to to that so what i need to do is i know what i need to do because i'm a father of seven i need to make it a night routine <laughs> that's yeah. when i have it switch up so i think uh covid has not allowed me to with everything i've gone through to really do that but that's what i really want to do is have a much better
0: nighttime routine what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever got my
2: dad has this line that he gave me that was always very important to me and that was after figuring out and weighing the options do what you think is best and it sounds simple but when you're a kid it's very hard to know what's best but as i got older i found that like if i do the way i thought it's supposed to be done even if i was wrong i'd have the experience now to make a better decision the next time and if i was right i didn't have to like uh i got to i got to build on something so really learning to to take his message of like look to yourself for inspiration as well is not something that always comes natural you oftentimes look i gotta find a leader or somebody out there. But learning to look within as a source of inspiration has become like something that I that that I appreciate that advice more and more as
0: the years Mm. go on. I love that. How can people get a hold of you if they want to get in contact with you and find out more about what you're up to?
2: I make myself available on Instagram. On I put out podcasts. uh, Keep it all at Rabbi Parrots. Keep it simple and uh or people email me I, i'm pretty much available in any medium that uh comes comes around and if it's missing then i go in there too you know i can't say i'm doing TikTok yet but you know uh but uh i am certainly on social media on instagram and facebook and um and email etc and and podcasts and and i just like to find any medium of connection is mm-hmm. inspiring to me
0: nice we'll put those out in the description and what is the last piece of wisdom that you want to leave with our audience? Be,
2: be certain that everything that you're attracted to is part of the indicators of what you're here for. We often think that when I'm attracted to something that's not good for me, that the only way to handle that is to run away from it or cut it out or turn it into the devil. In other words, like I have to make something look really evil so I can get away from it. And the reality is what you have to realize is that your attraction to it is an indicator that you have attraction to something very deep. And maybe if it was just aligned a little bit to just a tiny other direction, you would you would totally grow from that experience. And it fits across the board. You're in a committed relationship and you're like attracted to other people. Realize the attraction to other people is really because. You may not be giving everything to this relationship. So all the energy you have is starting to seep out in other areas. You know, you're really, you really want to eat certain foods. They're not good for you. Maybe it's an indicator that you should be cooking more and you need to be more involved in your preparation. But we're, we're very, we, we paint the world too easily as good and evil instead of like, where do I fit into each and every part of this? So that's really the, the, the biggest thing I, I, I try to impart on people is Judaism is your roots. It's your background, let's say, for Jewish people. So you, if you don't see that as a source of inspiration, well, that's actually not a bad thing. It's because the Judaism that you know is not inspiring you. Mm. So, you know, go out, find, go out and find and dig. That's the journey of itself. So there's
0: a great journey to be had instead of just categorizing something as good or bad love it. And what is your blessing that you want to give to the world? Well, the gift of blessing is
2: a blessing itself. Blessing means to draw in. You walk around, you breathe, everything that you breathe comes into you, whether it's good air or bad air, it all comes in. You eat, you get the food you need, and you also get things that you don't need that your body's got to filter. Most of life needs many, many filters. A blessing means that I can handle everything that comes to me unfiltered, totally being able to absorb it. When, it. when somebody blesses someone else, it's not a voodoo magic trick. It's the idea of I'm wishing you to take in and handle everything that comes your way. So it's about incorporating the big picture and incorporating a lot more into life. So my blessing would be before you eat, before you talk, before you give, before you post, you should have the blessing of being able to integrate the full experience and add value to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is the blessing for yourself? Ooh,
2: now that's on the spot. Um, I'm a blessed guy. I have a lot of blessings to draw from. Um I should probably totally let be absorbed by my own by my own giving. I've always been uncomfortable with like saying that I gave and and that like I deserve something back. I'm always very much into like giving is like uh my only job. But in reality I have to get better at allowing the things that come my way to be absorbed by me as well. I'm not sure I'm, I'm always so excited to tell people I'm a rabbi because I just want to get past it and, and not deal with any labels, but I have to start seeing even my own life as the source of it. I wonder if sometimes the entrepreneur doesn't always get to like see the name of their company and enjoy it. They're always <laughs> like, ah, oh, something else happened. Or they're the entrepreneur. They're trying to do everything. So if somebody else comes, they don't want to give credit or they don't, I need to allow that spirit to flow through me, be a better conduit for other people. And I know I do that already, but I think there's always more growth to be a conduit for, for my children, my wife, my community, the people around me. And, uh, and, uh, and only when I do that can I really know I'm listening to what's happening around me, know that I'm really too dead. Mm.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rabbi Peretz, for being with us today and sharing your wisdom and your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so thank you. much. Thank you, Enrico. Thank you, Sean. It's
2: uh, wonderful to know you guys, and I wish you tremendous success. Um, um, I think many years ago, people thought that sharing feelings was like somewhat of a weakness. Today, it's going to be the ultimate badge of honor to, to know how to process who you are emotionally, and you guys uh, have the blessing of being at the forefront of that. So,
0: lots of success to you. Mm, thank you so much, my brother. Thank we'll speak you to you soon. Looking forward to it. All right, peace. All right. Thank you